episode of Teaching Moments. I'm Kirk Faulkner. And I'm Craig Faulkner. And we are really excited to come to you today with season one finale. Yes. Episode eight. Episode eight. You know, I'm really glad that it's my turn to teach because I want to talk and teach about one of my favorite subjects, how to give a great presentation. That is a good subject. In fact, you and I have had more than one conversation about that subject. We've had a lot of conversations <laughs> about that, and my career has really been all about giving presentations. Our first company, Emerald Publications, really started with a two-day seminar for financial advisors on financial management, and then we created dozens of other presentations. And so over the years, I've talked a lot about giving presentations. The last company was how to present yourself online. And what's really fascinating to me about this concept of presenting is that the principles that I'm going to talk about today can apply broadly to any type of presentation you're giving. When we talk about presenting, all of you are thinking, oh, presenting, let's see. Okay, I'm up in front of someone mm -hmm. giving a presentation. And yes, I am going to talk about that. But as I talk about these principles, think about how these same principles apply to presenting a concept, a message yourself online, whether mm -hmm. it's a website, whether it's a podcast, whether it's creating videos, whether it's a blog, a vlog, etc. I mean, all these principles apply. So I want to tell you what I learned after four years of college about presenting. All right, break it down. It's really complicated. Okay. In any presentation, there are three parts. Yeah. There's the beginning. Uh -huh. called the introduction. There then is the body of the presentation. It typically has three to five categories. Right. And then there is the conclusion. Yep. That's about all I remember about college. I used to tutor for the SAT and I had to teach kids that all the time. I'm like, when you write a paper, it has to have a beginning, a middle and an end. You would think it was more straightforward or more obvious than that, but people really... <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, when you're giving a presentation, when you sit down and you think, okay, I've got to put together a presentation on whatever topic, it doesn't matter. I think a lot of people get overwhelmed and they start to think about, well, oh my gosh, you know, okay, I'm going to talk about this, 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 and this. What I typically do when I am given the challenge to put together a presentation and over the years... I don't know. I mean, call me an unconscious competent, and I've used that term before, I think, on our podcast. I automatically start to think, okay, how am I going to introduce this? What's a creative, what's a fun way to introduce this topic? And that does a few things for me. One of the main things it does is it gives me a hook. It gives me a basis to really build my body of my presentation on. For example, when we built this two-day seminar and it was nearly eight hours of content, four hours one day and four hours the next day, I mean, it was a massive presentation. I couldn't really wrap my head around building and creating, it was over 400 slides in this presentation. Wow! I couldn't wrap my head around it until I came up with how do I introduce this massive topic that I'm going to be talking about over a two-day period of time? And so I wrestled with it, and it wasn't anything super revolutionary, but I came up with the six keys to successful financial management. 
So in the introduction, I could talk about the six keys, how important they are to address. It was all the way from investing to tax planning, to retirement planning, all the way through estate planning. We talk about the six keys and you give people an overview in the introduction of what you're going to talk about. Right. And then we could launch into the actual body of the presentation. Yeah. And so for me, it becomes very, very important when I am trying to build a presentation to spend a lot of time on the introduction. Now, I know that you have given a lot of presentations. I know you're currently giving a lot of presentations. And I mean, you've built dozens of presentations for Faulkner Media Group. How do you approach that introduction? Well, I've actually really patterned my presentation style based off of what you and I came up with in that time that we were working there together because we tried a lot of different formats over the time. But one thing that I saw that worked is that when we were putting together a deck, we would have the intro where we introduced the idea, maybe some stats about the idea, kind of get like a big picture of the idea. Then we would have one slide that had the points that were going to be in the body that signaled the end of the introduction. Right. So the introduction ended when I had a slide that had either the three keys or the five elements or whatever it was, we would do those elements And then we'd have that slide again to show that we were starting the conclusion. That's right. And I still do that in every single presentation. I have those slides that show the points and then that review the points. And that's how I separate it out into intro, middle, and end. That was your idea. I 100% took that from you. Well, the thing that I have found over the years, giving presentations and selling presentations, and not to boast, but I've got to say that over nearly four decades, certainly three and a half decades that I have been in the publishing business and selling presentations, and we've sold hundreds and hundreds of thousands of presentations. Our presentations have hundreds and hundreds, if not millions of presentations, I should say, have been given with the presentations that we've given uh, and sold. It's a formula that works. It's a formula that while it may not be zany or off the charts creative, it's a formula that works and it's a formula that really has produced results for me. Now, the other tip that I want to give our listening audience about the introduction The introduction is a time to really set forth what you're going to be talking about. But in an introduction, when you're presenting, it's a great time to let the audience get to know you. And what I mean by that is not that you want to read your resume. I don't mean that at all. But think of getting in front of a group and think of what are you going to do within a 30 to 60 second period of time. And let's say you have 20 minutes to talk. What are you going to do in that first 30 to 60 seconds to let the audience inside your personality just a little bit? Now, again, I'll go back to my old financial planning days. One of the things I like to do, back then I was talking to retirees. I was a young guy. I mean, I was probably 35 years old when I was doing financial planning and doing a lot of these seminars. 
And I think I was shaving like every other day, maybe. Uh, <laughs> so I looked really young. But I like to talk about my family. I was proud that I was married, that I had a great family. You know, you could say, well, all that's a little bit corny. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But it was something that I was proud of and something that I liked to talk about. And I would also let the audience know what I was passionate about in terms of sports. You know, I loved to play tennis and I liked to surf back then. And it just gave them a little insight to me. The other thing that I did in every introduction, and now this was a two-day workshop, so my introductions to myself went a little longer, is I talked about something that was really uncomfortable. And I did that to let the audience know that I wasn't afraid to have them ask me tough questions. And I wanted to do that to let them know that I was a straight shooter. What I talked about was how I was compensated. I talked about how I received commissions, how I charged a fee for the financial plans I did. And so it really worked well for me to give the audience insight to my personality and the way I ran my business. I typically would do that after I talked about the six keys to successful financial management. Now, let's say we're going to go 40 minutes on this episode. We've probably spent, what, five, 10, 10 minutes, minutes on introduction. Yeah. The introduction has got to be one of the most important elements of your presentation. You've got to have good content in the body, but you should know exactly what you're going to say in your introduction and you should know exactly what you're going to say in your conclusion. And I'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me think about the difference between a presentation and a performance, right? Right. A presentation has a goal. When the presentation is over, you want the people in that audience to have gone from point A to point B. You want them to either have changed their mind or see something different. And you, you want them to be inspired. Yeah. A performance. Right. It's very open. You know, you're doing something, you want people to react to it, but you don't have a specific goal for it. The intro to me of a presentation is where you come out and say, this is my goal for this presentation. You're clear about it. And I think when you talked about, you know, talking with your audience about your compensation, I think that gives an audience the sense like he's being very straight with me about the goal of this presentation. Right. There's no smoke and mirrors. He's not going to try to trick me. He's putting up a case in this introduction and the rest of this presentation is going to hold up that case. And now because he's been honest about it, I'm going to be a little bit more open to what comes next. Exactly. And if your introduction is manipulative, people will definitely see through that. If you're bringing up your family because you're trying to pull on the heartstrings of yeah. a little old lady or you pull, something. You pull up a picture of some actors that you got to pose <laughs> yeah. with you. <laughs> it, it ain't going to work, right? So that's the introduction. And again, when you're giving a presentation, whether you're using slide, PowerPoint, or keynote or not, I mean, your introduction becomes extremely important. Now, as we get to the body, let me talk a little bit about how I viewed the body of a presentation and yeah. what I what I, I also to want do. to make sure we come back to slides later because I want to hear your theories on slides. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> you can imagine yeah, I have we have some thoughts on slides. Yeah, I have some thoughts on slides. So the body of presentation, I kind of broke the rule with the complete financial management workshop where I had six major topics. 
But again, keep in mind that that was a very long presentation. Right. I mean, it was a course that we were teaching, right? Typically in a presentation or talk, you know, it's all encompassing. I like to keep the number of subcategories that I'll talk about typically to three. If it's a really very in-depth topic, five maximum. You start to lose the audience when you go much past that. One of the things that really helped me dissect complicated material and I've spent my career building presentations on financial topics, was this something that I call the presentation cycle. And the presentation cycle goes like this. When you talk about a topic, you introduce a topic with basic information, information that you know people can very quickly understand and assimilate. I would then back up the basic information with technical information. Mm-hmm. The technical information typically would be information that is going to help increase someone's understanding on the topic. And it may be actually even a little over their heads. And again, this depends on the type of presentation you're giving. If it is a sales presentation, if it is a purely informative presentation. But I found that to hold people's interest to talk too general all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, you lose people and they're not seeing a benefit. If you're too technical all the time, you'll put people to sleep. So I would go from, if I were talking about dollar cost averaging, which is a concept that you can use to average your investment in a mutual fund or a stock, buying the stock over a period of time give general information about dollar cost averaging. I would give technical information. I would show how dollar cost averaging worked and I may actually go through an exercise on the slide. Then the third phase of the presentation cycle is give a story or case study to make it become real. Mm -hmm. So it's basic technical stories or case studies. Okay, It comes alive for your audience. And I know as we gave presentations together to the financial advisors, you know, through our live video broadcasts, we did just that. We talked general, technical, and then we gave very, very specific stories, case studies on how to use the principles. That's something that I have really noticed and come to is this you can't just have one or the other. You can't just have technical specs or a lot of stats or a lot of percentages or numbers, you know, and no story. But if you have no story and no facts or stats or numbers, the story sounds like BS. You know, it sounds like you're just making up something to fit your situation. You really do need those two things together. And I like how you put those underneath, you know, kind of they are supporting the main idea that you introduced in the beginning. Exactly. And so if I were giving a 20 minute presentation, I keep on going to 20 minutes. I mean, I think most presentations that I've given over the years are either kind of 20 minutes or an hour, you know, 50, 45 to 60 minutes. Five minutes, 20 minutes or an hour. I think of the three. Some people have to give a five minute presentation. (laughs) And honestly, the shorter the presentation, sometimes the harder it is to execute those, excuse me, the more organized you've got to be. But if I were giving a 20-minute presentation, I would have three subcategories, and then I would introduce each category with general, technical, and then story case study, and then I would move on, and I would repeat that cycle. It's interesting to me, and I'm no music wizard, but I do believe a good presentation has a really nice tempo to it. 
And you can feel it. When you're sitting in a good presentation, you can feel the tempo. I mean, it's not too hard of a driving beat all the time. There is a nice introduction. There is that general information. There's that kind of pounding technical stuff. And then you come out the back with some fun stories and examples. So one goal of a presentation must be to increase the recall of the people who watch the presentation. Like the more that they can recall from your presentation, the better job you've done. Absolutely. And I think that's where tempo plays a big role. Like if there's three points in a 20 minute conversation and you spend 17 minutes talking about point one and a minute and a half talking about point two and a minute and a half talking about point three, I'm not going to remember the three points. No, you're not. And one of the ways that I'm going to talk about some actual presentation techniques that you can use to help the audience retain information. So remind me to come back to that. Um, Slides and retaining information. I'm making a list now. Yeah, I definitely want to come back to that. The last thing I want to say then before we get into the actual kind of nuts and bolts of creating that presentation is I want to talk about your conclusion. I found in giving presentations, doing training meetings, doing presentations or talks in church or civic groups, of which I've done a lot. I've done a lot of speaking at church. Knowing how you're going to conclude becomes extremely important. There's nothing worse than sitting through a presentation and the thing just goes on and on and on and on and on. You can feel it in the audience, right? When a presenter is up there and they've just lost track of the time, you know, they're kind of up there. They maybe have given some good information and everybody's thinking, okay, bring it all together. Bring it all together. (laughs) (laughs) You can just see opportunities to have ended the talk just like whiz by. You're like, oh, that was, you could have right there. Come back, come back. And so what I like to do in my presentations is I like to come back to the very beginning. After two days, I would say, now we've spent nearly eight hours talking about the six keys to your successful financial management. And then I would very quickly review them. In this presentation that I'm talking about, I had a very specific way that I closed. I had a very specific call to action. And I think every inspiring presenter, whether you're delivering a talk to a PTA group, to your civic organization, to your church, to your team that you manage at work, pulls things together and issues some sort of call to action, some sort of resolve. Why would I sit around for 20 minutes or an hour and think that it wouldn't be good not to have some sort of, okay, well, I've sat, I was informed, now how can I use this information? So what I would do at the end of the financial planning presentations is I would review the six keys and then I would issue the call to action. The call to action was very simple. There are three things you can do. You can work with the person you're currently working with to refine your financial plan and do accomplish the things that we've talked about that you need to do as a result of the workshop. Number two, you can come and talk to us about it. Of course, we always hope they would do that, and we Mm -hmm. told them that. And then I would say, number three, and I hope none of you take this alternative, you can procrastinate. Yeah, you do nothing. You can do nothing. 
And of course, people would smile and we would have our clothes and we would actually, at that point, we'd pass out <laughs> response cards and we said, hey, Phil, if you want to come in and talk to us, we knew how we were going to close. Yeah. And the result of that technique, of the closing technique, was nothing short of phenomenal. I mean, we typically would have 80 to 90% of the people who were in those meetings want to come in and talk to us. But that's that's because it was planned. I think that's so smart to call out nothing because that is what the majority of people do after the majority of presentations. Right. Majority of presentations end in nothing and no action is taken. (laughs) And to point that out and to have them smile go, oh, well, of course we're not going to do nothing. Well, you were going to until I said it. (laughs) Right, right. And so what's so interesting to me is there there have been endless books written on how to give presentation. Mm -hmm. And I think in some ways, there are a lot of good books, obviously. In some ways, it's a little bit of a disservice, though, because a presentation it's not an insurmountable thing to pull together. You think about how you're going to introduce, you think about the content that you want to deliver, ideally three subcategories to support the introduction, and how you want to conclude, and you know what the call to action is going to be. You know, now, here I want to spend maybe 10, 15 minutes on techniques of putting together your visual aids. Okay, can I just say one other thing that I've learned from this podcast? is that a presentation is not an information dump. What you don't put in your presentation is as important as what you do put in, especially if it's a topic that you know a lot about, because if you just are trying to shoehorn in everything, you're not focused on the goal of the presentation. You're just trying to show how much you know. That's right. You really have to stay true. You have to get clear with yourself about what is the goal here? What action do I want them to take? And what is the best route from A to B. Now, if it is an information dump, I mean, if you have a lot of information that you want to present and you have limited time, I laugh sometimes at these HR meetings, right? Mm -hmm. Where the HR manager comes in and says, we've got a lot of information we want to pass along to you. And, you know, I, and everybody's eyes glaze glaze over. over. I mean, what the HR manager should be doing is they should be introducing the topic, generating interest, Okay, establishing credibility. We have really created a packet of information that you're going to be motivated after you listen to this to review. Then they go through. If I have a ton of information that I'm trying to cover, I am going to, in the body of that presentation, number one, I will have created a packet that I will give to people. And I am going to teach them in the body of the presentation how to navigate through the packet of information. I'll cover the salient topics in areas that they ought to really focus on. And then I'll conclude with a call to action. And then I'll hand out the packet, right? Yeah, you really got to respect the capacity of your audience to take in information. You can't pour more water into a sponge than a sponge can take. You know? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up, though, because that is something that is just, just Well, I think that, that will lead in, because you, you were starting to talk about visual aids, and I know we talked about one aspect of slides that neither of us like. The audience has got to understand that I've been creating slide presentations since I started back in the late 70s. 
And it's been really interesting to see the evolution of slides, right? I went through the 35 millimeter slide era. Then I went through the era of putting the slides on the CDs. And then we went through the era of, we never really put them on thumb drives. We put them on CDs for the longest time. And now, of course, the presentations are all downloadable via the internet and easily to transfer. But the technique, the concepts of creating good slides has not changed at all. And some guidelines. Okay, number one, when you're creating slides, if you want to use a color background, which I like using color backgrounds, are light blue, light gray, and light orange. Okay, avoid yellow, avoid white. White's too bright. It blinds people Mm -hmm. in a dimly lit room. Avoid red. It's too jarring. And a light green worked pretty well. Purple's okay too. But the colors will typically pop better on the blue and the gray. I mean, those are two of the strongest backgrounds Mm -hmm. to use. And I typically don't use backgrounds that are too dark. Just a little tip. And there's a ton of stuff that's written about some of these guidelines. But some in particular that I want to drive home. One of the biggest complaints that people have when they sit through a presentation is they cannot read the content that's on the slide. Okay. So if you are creating slides that you cannot see at least 20 to 30 feet away from the screen, you're making a big mistake. You're losing the audience. And typically, the smallest font that I like to use in my text on a slide is 24-point text. If I can get away with it, I like to have the body of my text 32-point. And I know that's big. Well, you'll say, yeah, but I can't get all the text on my slide if I'm using 24-point or 32-point. Yeah, well, yeah. That's, that's the point. That's the point. <laughs> they might also say as well, well, I'm just going to read it to them. Well, then just read it to them. You don't have to put it up then. That's right. <laughs> so I love giving this example. Back in the day when we talked about tax planning, there's a tax called alternative minimum tax, and it still exists today. It's a calculation basically that says, hey, the government is only going to give you so many deductions. And if you have excess deductions, they're going to tax, throw you into an AMT or alternative minimum tax, and you pay the greater of the two taxes, regular tax or AMT. And there's this long, long calculation on it. When I was a financial advisor giving presentations, one of the first presentations I gave and talked about AMT, I actually walked people through the mathematical calculation of AMT. Everybody just about fell on the floor. (laughs) Yeah, I recognize that. I'm a quick learner. I only did that once. I recognize that. And I decided I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to make that mistake. And so the next time I gave a presentation, I had these big block letters. It must have been 60 point. And it said A-M-T. And that's all that was on the slide. And I advanced to the slide and I would say, does anybody know what A-M-T is? And usually there would be, you know, a few people, they raise their hand and say, yeah, isn't that alternative minimum tax? I said, that's right. That's alternative minimum tax. And then I explained what it is. And then general, I explained what it was technical. And then I backed it up with a very specific story or case study. And I told a story about someone that invested in a tax shelter, was subject to AMT, lost the benefits of the tax shelter, 
And by the way, the tax shelter went bust. So not only did they lose the benefits of the tax shelter, they lost their money. They lost $100,000. They had to pay back taxes. And the story was just a total train wreck. Okay, so when people would leave the seminar, they, I guarantee you, would remember that pictorial theme, a, yeah. those letters, AMT. Yeah, I think that's awesome. There is actually, I think, a use to glazing people's eyes over if you just do it quickly and then you move to something that they understand. Like you had the big picture of the AMT, but then you did spend some time getting into the specifics. And as they're starting to get confused, just at that point where they're about to go out, then you hit them with a story that they can emotionally connect to. And it sells the whole package. And that's where that presentation cycle, general, uh, technical, or specific, and then stories and case study. Yeah, that's great. And so when you're building your slide presentations... And I love PowerPoint. I love Keynote. Keynote, of course, is Apple and PowerPoint is Microsoft. And then there's Google Presentations, which is pretty good. And there's Prezi. I was a big Prezi fan for a while. I kind of got over it. It's a little, yeah. Yeah. If you can't do it with just some uh, static slides, then you shouldn't be doing it in the first place. Yeah, for our listeners, I mean, Prezi is more of a... Dynamic animations. Yeah, you kind of zoom in on words and... You can uncover things. We won't go down that rabbit hole because that's a whole nother technique. But for you folks that like to really investigate, you know, technology and cool apps, Prezi, P-R-E-Z-I. Yeah, that's something to look at. So PowerPoint, with the presentations I give today, I typically use PowerPoint or I do use Google presentations. Yeah, I'm almost completely over to Google Slides now. Yeah, the only thing I don't like about Google Slides, and it's a big issue to me, is when I'm giving a presentation, I always like to embed some video. And it's a bummer because with Google Slides, you have to embed a link to a YouTube video. To a YouTube video, or you pull up a browser screen. A browser screen, and I don't like that. With PowerPoint, you can get a clip of the video, and I've got a great little app to, to clips of videos. It's called Snaps Pro, and you can capture any video, you can capture the audio, it's seamless, and then you can actually embed that QuickTime video into your presentation. You hear that, Google? You've been called out. Yeah, I mean, Improve your slides. I can't believe that they don't. But (laughs) so anyway, check the size of the font you're using, check your color backgrounds. Here's the other kind of power tip that I like to recommend. Just like there's a cadence in your presentations from general, to technical, to stories and case studies, there should be a cadence with text and illustrations or photographs or pie charts. And the cadence in my mind ought to feel like a text-heavy slide broken with a pictorial theme. Mm -hmm. A pictorial theme could be a graph, it could be a photograph, it could be, you know, some sort of illustration, but I think it's you know, text, text, illustration, text, 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 illustration, illustration. You like it broken up. I like it broken up. Right. And the presentations that we were doing at Faulkner Media Group, you created just awesome presentations. I think you've got this innate ability to sense that, and we covered a lot of ground, but we did have text, but we never went too far overboard with the text. And it was always broken up with strong pictorial themes. My rule there was if it feels crowded at all, it can be two slides. 
And what that ended up doing was we would create presentations where you spent less time per slide. You didn't sit on a slide for five minutes talking about it. You were kind of moving through slides the whole time. And each slide kind of had one big thing to say. I thought it made it more dynamic and obviously easier to read, easier to absorb. And it didn't really change the time. Exactly. You know, in terms of guidelines, people would ask me, well, how many slides do I need for a 30-minute presentation, for example? I typically recommend that you use typically one slide per minute. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's a 60-minute slide, am I going to need 60 slides? Not necessarily so. A longer presentation many times may go down to 40 or 45 slides. But if someone's choosing to use slides and I'm sitting through a 45-minute presentation and they have 10 slides, it just absolutely drives me nuts that they have chosen to use slides. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I think what's the use of the slides if they're not reinforcing your points as you go through the presentation? I probably err a little on the more slides than you should have. Yeah, I think you, my record that I've done is I had just under an hour presentation with 107 slides. That would be a bozonono in my book. Well, for me, you know, the slides were just kind of constantly going about every 30 seconds I was moving forward. And I was familiar enough with the slides that it wasn't like I was talking, talking, press the slide, stop, look at the slide, talk, talk, talk. I was just talking, talking, talking in the background. These slides were moving and they were almost like just kind of like a scenery for what I was talking about more than like people really needed to focus on them, you know? Right. And you've got the luxury to have a designer creating the slides for you. If you're doing the slides yourself, I teach some Sunday school classes and I create slides when I do that. And I spend a lot of time creating the slides. I love doing it. It's fun for me. But if I were doing 107 slides, it'd take me forever. It's a long time. So what do you use to create slides? Do you use any design programs or online programs? Okay. Here's a power tip. Power tip. Power tip. And I love it. If you're using PowerPoint, I used to be down on PowerPoint, but I've kind of fallen in love with it again. PowerPoint is very, very powerful because what I will do is I'll create my slides. I'll choose a template that I like. I'll create the slides. I'll kind of do the information dump on the slides. And I'll pull the pictorial themes that I want to use. Pictorial themes is no more a picture or a graph or you know a chart or whatever. And when I'm done with the presentation, I then go to the tab and the menu bar that says design and you click on design and then you go all the way over when you're under the design menu, you go all the way over to the right of your screen and it has design suggestions. Oh yeah. You click on design suggestions and it will take each slide for you. And then I go through every single one of my slides and it will help me maximize the design on that slide. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. That's interesting. I've got to say that presentations and just the look and feel of the presentations come out. It looks like you had a designer pulling together Oh, that's together awesome. Wow. Yeah. I was going to tell people to go to canva.com, but that sounds like more fun. Yeah, it really is a lot of fun. And occasionally, if you're pulling, if you're using that tip, sometimes it doesn't work if you've pulled an image off the internet. Oh, really? Yeah, if you pulled an image off a website, for some reason, sometimes it doesn't work. And I don't know if something's embedded or not, but typically you can you know, cut and paste and pull images. Oh, another little fun tip. If you're giving a presentation and it's a special presentation to a larger group, 
look at Getty Images or iStock. You don't have to have a subscription. You have to pay for the images. There's a lot of free ones out there, too, that usually have some good stuff that you yeah. can look at. And- yeah. If you're going to leave the presentation online, though, you need to be careful uh, posting the images online that are copyrighted. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, because you will get uh, grumpy notices from attorneys doing that. Let's see. There are a couple of other things. Well, yeah. So you just covered slide, which was one of the things on my list we were going to come back to. The other thing that we were going to come back to was helping people retain your information. Okay. I kind of stole my thunder on that. I think the most effective way that you can get people to retain the information is with those pictorial themes. And that's where I was talking about the alternative minimum tax. I know when I was doing when I was uh, doing a lot of training for financial advisors and I had to give presentations, I love telling this story about why Dr. and Mrs. North ended up working with me. Uh-huh. They attended this two-day seminar on financial management. And I actually ended up going to the house, which I normally never would do. But for some reason, I ended up going to the house making this house call man, this was back in the early 80s, probably. And I remember what Mrs. Norse said when they told me they decided to work with me. They said, you know, your, your presentation was great and everything else. But one thing that Mrs. Norse said she was really impressed by is she said, the first day I noticed that your shoes were polished. <laughs> and I said, oh, really? And back then we were doing a Tuesday, Thursday format. She said, I was really interested to see if, if on Thursday when you came back, if you, number one, wore the same shoes and number two, if were the same, were they going to be polished again? Or if they were different, was that pair going to be polished? And they were, because I always polish my shoes before the presentation. <laughs> now, this isn't a pitch for Kiwi shoe polish, but attention to the detail in your presentations yeah. is really important. That was my takeaway from that lesson. Yeah. Okay, attention to detail. And that's where I think using some of these power tips, using PowerPoint and using that design tool that you can use, making sure that people can see your presentation from afar. I attended a presentation earlier this week and it was a presentation where someone has actually written a number of books and they were speaking to a large group of people and they got up I couldn't believe it. Their presentation was two and three paragraphs of 14-point text on the slides. There must have been, I don't know, 25 slides in the presentation, and I nearly died sitting through this presentation. <laughs> Makes you want to like overturn a table. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing about it is we can laugh about it, but then when you get down to put your presentation together, you kind of panic. If you need to have a lot of text. If you're going to read something, if you're going to read a two-paragraph quote from Sir Isaac Newton, I would rather see a picture of Sir Isaac Newton, identify who he is. And just listen to you read the quote. And then I take out a sheet of paper or another little power presenter tip, use the presenter mode in PowerPoint, and you can copy what you need to read, and it can come up right as the slide comes up. And go ahead and read it. Read it. Don't fool yourself into thinking people in the audience are going to be able to read two paragraphs on your slide. That's right. It's just not a reality. (laughs) When I think of text slides or bullet slides, when you're doing bullet slides, you know, three to five bullets is ideal 
Maximum is seven. I'm kind of weird. I never like even numbers with <laughs> It's funny. They don't do as well. Like yeah, when you're yeah. writing titles for presentations, they say always make it three, five, or seven, never two, four, or six. Right, right. It's a yin yang thing, I guess. But when I have a bullet item, I always try to have that bullet to be one line, not two lines. Sometimes I break my own rule, okay? But in a perfect situation, if I had a lot of content, it would be five bullets, but none of the bullets would be more than one line. You know why people put too much text on a lot of times, especially when it comes to these bullets, is they want to read it. You know, they want to have that part of their presentation written out so that they can feel confident when they get to that slide. But it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. What you need instead of your script is you need cues. Just exactly. a couple words to remind you what you're going to say there, but you should know what you're going to say after that. That's right. Just like your audience needs pictorial themes, you need either a pictorial cue or a word cue, and then you should be able to explain. So in summary, when you're presenting, don't get overwhelmed. Remember that a presentation is as simple as an introduction that's carefully prepared, a body, three to maximum five points, subcategories, subtopics that you want to talk about that support your introduction, and then the conclusion. Know exactly what you are going to say when you introduce and when you conclude. I always believe that it's more refreshing to have the body of your presentation a little fluid. Mm -hmm. And to your point, when you look at it, whether it's a bullet, a slide, or a slide that has an image on it, that triggers what you're going to talk about. So yep. you would have rehearsed that. So it's introduce the body, then it's conclude. When you're building the body of your presentation, you're going to be following the presentation cycle. General information, technical, you're backing it up with specific stories and case studies. When you're creating your slides, if you are using slides, you are never going to use text that's any smaller than 24 point. 32 is ideal. So if you follow those guidelines, it's pretty simple. you're gonna knock it out of the yeah. park. 90% of the presentations I ever see would improve if they followed those guidelines. So that's great. That was a really great final episode for the season. Well, thank you. And yeah, I think it's been a fun season. We'll be anxious to get your feedback, listeners. Yeah, please let us know if you have listened to this, if you liked it, if you have any constructive criticism. <laughs> <laughs> please go on to iTunes or whatever podcast software that you use and leave a rating for us leave some nice comments there uh, the more ratings we get obviously that helps us get higher in, in searches and we want this to climb the charts all right thanks for listening and we'll look forward to season two we'll see you in season two thanks